Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Welcome to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Happy to be here. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Newton, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports and Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. Back on the show, you know, I lost count, but I think this is your seventh appearance Justin Dale, I know you're getting ready to talk a little bit about the Braves. You're actually going to the game tonight, the Atlanta Braves taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. I know this is going to be broadcasted later, but we're approximately two hours away from the trade deadline, and the Braves are making moves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Richard, thanks for having me back on the show. Um, Yeah, I'll be at the game tonight. Um, Excited to see Spencer Strider pitch. I think this might be my, my third time seeing him pitch live uh tonight and uh yeah the braves have made some moves um you know nothing too flashy but that's that's kind of the braves mo um you know they don't really do too much flashiness around the trade deadline but they do uh moves that help improve their depth as well as just kind of shore up certain positions and things and uh you know the braves had a really good team anyway top five mlb record so far this season so they really didn't have to be too too flashy but you know good moves so far and so far, they picked up the closer or Dazi from Houston. They they had to say goodbye to Will Smith. Uh, I've been talking to some Braves fans, Justin. I know that he helped them win a World Series, but he had a lot of Braves fans on the edge of their seat with uh, some of his uh, innings. Uh, absolutely. Um, I think the last two two years. Um, so we got him in 2020. He pitched uh, with us in the shortened 2020 season and all of last year and, and then so half of this year. I posted on Facebook earlier today that, you know, Will Smith has given me uh, quite a few heart attacks over the last two years and probably at least taken a year, if not a couple of years off my life, um, stressing out over closing games. But, you know, I, I think Will Smith's tenure in Atlanta will definitely be remembered for how good he was in the postseason. When the lights were the brightest, he shined there very well. And so he had, I think, 10 or 11th appearances in the postseason last year, didn't give up a single run. His, his innings were fairly clean, I think, if I remember correctly. I don't remember too many innings in the postseason where he got himself into trouble and had to dig out. Um, and he will always be remembered for the guy that closed out Game 6 of the World Series and brought our second world championship to Atlanta. And another big move that the Atlanta Braves made is they signed Austin Riley to a long extension, 10 years, $225 million. He's going to be an Atlanta Brave for a very long time. He currently leads the team with 29 home runs, batting 301. Justin, he is the best Atlanta Braves third baseman since. I can't remember that guy's name. He played it in on the Braves in the 90s. He wore number 10. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I know you're the Braves fan. What was, what was that guy's <laughs> name? I believe it 
started with a C and last name was Jones, I believe. I know that's a common last name. Larry Jones. Yeah, his Larry name, Jones. His name that's was Larry it. Jones. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Chipper, Chipper for sure. This was huge. Austin Riley is putting together another MVP year. He had a great year last year. Hit 33 home runs. Uh, finished seventh in MVP voting last year. Um, I know a lot of people still have Goldschmidt as the favorite uh, as of right now to win the NL MVP award um, just because he got off to such a huge start um, to begin this season. But Austin Rowley has come on really strong since about the end of May. He was only at the end of May. He was only hitting like 220 something, I think. And uh, he's raised his average um, almost 80 points in two months, which has been amazing. And uh, he's just been on a torrid pace with home runs. Uh, if he stays healthy, um, there's I don't see any reason why he shouldn't surpass 40 home runs this season um, and hit 290 or around 300 and definitely give Goldschmidt a run for his money for that MVP award this year. Um, but Austin's made tremendous strides. Um, this was a guy that a few years ago, I mean, Braves fans were not sure if he was going to be the guy at the hot corner. You know, we, we, we had Josh Donaldson for a season. Everybody wanted to bring him back on a long-term deal. Um and Austin really had trouble hitting off-speed pitches, especially sliders, earlier in his career. He could kill a fastball, but he couldn't hit the off-speed stuff. But he has made tremendous strides in the last two years and have become such a, a key cornerstone on this team. And you look at the Braves. The Braves are doing what good teams are supposed to do. When you when you get a good core of players together, you lock them up for long-term deals. You know, when they when they acquired Matt Olson, he's you know, Matt Olson's 27 years old. They moved really quickly to secure him into a long-term deal. They have Acuna into a long-term deal, as well as um, Ozzy Albies into a long-term deal. And now they've got Austin for the next 10, 10 years at least. And, and there's an option at the end of that for an 11th year at 20 million. Uh, that would bring it to 11 years, $232 million if that option years exercised. And so this team is really, I mean, they're really setting this team up for success going forward. Um, the Braves payroll is at the highest it's ever been. I think it's projected around this year so far around 177 million um, with uh, some people, some of this like Bob Nightingale and some of the other um, uh, sports columnists saying that the Braves could in the next year or two, even project into a top five payroll team in the next few years. And so that I, the idea that we've been penny pinching all these years, maybe we're starting to finally, we're getting money in uh, playing well, the battery's bringing money in the Braves are selling out games. Uh, they, I think they've had around 30 sellouts so far this season. And we got two more months left to go with some really good teams coming into town later this month, like Houston, New York. So yeah, this, um, the future is really bright for the Atlanta Braves. They're going to be competitive for, for years to come, um, I think this is another, you know, kind of like what they did in the 90s. We might be seeing some of that return here in the 2020s with this Atlanta Braves franchise. And some of the other transactions they made, they picked up Erie Ardonzia. He was on the team last year. And then Robbie Grossman from the Detroit Tigers. How significant are these moves and are they going to get some playing time? Yeah, um, Adrianza was a, a player we had last year. He was on our bench. Um, you know, he... He's a light hitting uh, infielder. You know, he's not going to supply a ton of power, um, but he hits, you know, he hit pretty well as a pinch hitter for us last year. Um, he will get more than likely some time at second base. He'll probably platoon with um, with Arcia there until Ozzy Albies is ready to go. 
Um, so he'll probably get some playing time, I'm assuming. Um, Arcee is a right-handed batter. He usually plays against lefties, so I'm assuming. Andrianza will get some time against righties, so he'll get some playing time there until Ozzy's back. And then uh, Robbie Grossman, um, you know, his numbers don't pop out at you, obviously, when you look at the overall stat line. But the interesting thing about Grossman is he is killing left-handers this year. Um, uh, facing left-handers, he's hitting over 300. And so he's brought in as the platoon option with Eddie Rosario in left field. Eddie's a left-handed batter. He, he hits righties better. And so you're going to see some platoon in left field between Rosario and Grossman. And the same thing with Arcia and Adrianza at second base until Ozzy is healthy. Right. Right now, the Atlanta Braves are 62 and 41, but they just can't catch the New York Mets. At one point, they were just a half a game behind the Mets, mm-hmm. but the Mets just won't stop winning. They've won seven straight. They got a three and a half game lead on the Braves. And the Braves, a very important series with the Phillies starting tonight. The Phillies have won five straight. They had a disappointing road trip the last time they took on the Phillies. They lost two out of three. But the New York Mets, I mean, they're playing the Nationals. We saw the Nationals just become sellers at the trade deadline. They got rid of Juan Soto. This, this team is a shell of themselves from the, when they won the World Series in 2019. And the New York Mets are getting healthy at the right time. Can the Atlanta Braves catch the New York Mets and win the division? Can they do it? Yes, there's still a possibility to do it. Um, it's Is it going to be tough? Absolutely, it's going to be tough. The Braves have nine games with the Mets in the month of August. Then they end the season in, at the end of September, early October, with three games against them at home. And so there's still 12 games against the Mets. Um, so there's still uh, there's plenty of opportunities head-to-head, for sure, to try to catch them. Uh, do the Braves need to play their best ball? Yes. We need to start playing our best ball right now. There is no more, you know, like, oh, it's June, it's July, we got time, there's still a lot of games left. Um, Games are starting to matter now. Once this trade deadline is over today, it's pretty much a sprint to the end. And so, yeah, the Braves need to play well. We're going up to New York. We're playing five games in four days with the Mets this weekend. Um, So we're going to see Scherzer. We're going to see DeGrom, who's making his season debut tonight um, with the Mets. And so – we're probably going to see those guys. If we don't see DeGrom in this series for whatever reason, maybe because they don't want him to pitch every five days, we'll definitely see him when they come to Atlanta in two weeks for that four-game series. And so we got to play well, and we've got to win some of these games. we got to take some of these series in order to gain those games back. Because, yeah, we were. We were half a game out last Sunday. We were, you know, And I, was, I woke up the last Sunday thinking this could be the day. We're going to move in the first place. And uh, the Mets went on a five-game winning st- or seven-game winning streak, and the Braves uh, lost that game against the Angels last Sunday, and then they went on and lose two out of three against the Phillies, like you said. So um, now is the time to start playing ball, and uh, we can't afford any more, you know, giving up leads late in the game like uh, what Minter did in one of those Phillies games. Um, we've got to start playing well. Um, over this month. The Mets schedule is, is easier this month. They're playing a lot of teams under 500, um, whereas the Braves, they don't have a particularly tough schedule, but they are playing the Mets nine times this month. They also will have a, a series against the Houston Astros at home later this month, too. And so there will be some teams that will come in that will definitely challenge us, and we've got to play well. And it seems like the San Diego Padres are big-time buyers right at the trade deadline. They get the closer hater. From the Milwaukee Brewers, they picked up Juan Soto in a trade, and now they have a big three of Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis. They are currently 58-46. and They're not going to catch the Dodgers. All right, so let's talk about this new playoff format in Major League Baseball. So if the season ended today, 
the Atlanta Braves would be the four seed. Where would they be in the playoffs? So yeah, so so so, so right now, tops the top uh, six teams from each league will make the playoffs. The two, three the three division winners and then three wild card teams will play. Right now, the Dodgers are would have a one seed. They have the best record in the National League. The Mets have the second best record. They'd have a two seed. Uh, both of those teams would get buys in the what be the first round or what we call the wild card round now in in the playoffs. So they would automatically advance to the division series. And then the Milwaukee Brewers, since they're the third division winner, they would have a three seed. And then right now the current wild card teams are Atlanta, San Diego, and Philadelphia. So Milwaukee would host Philadelphia, three versus six, in a a three-game, in a best-of-three series. And then Atlanta would host San Diego in a best-of-three series. All three games will be played at home for the, the team with the higher seed. So Milwaukee would host all three games against Philly. Atlanta would host all three games against San Diego. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have the best record in the National League. They would have a one seed. The New York Mets have the second best record. They would have a two seed. Um, the two the top two seeds get a bye in the, from the first round, and they automatically advance to the division series. Uh, Milwaukee is the third division leader right now, so they would have a three seed. And then the three wild card teams are Atlanta, San Diego, and Philadelphia in that order. So Milwaukee would would host the Phillies, three versus six, and then Atlanta would host San Diego, four versus five. Uh, the home team, the higher seed, will have um, home field advantage for the entire series. They'll have all three games in their home park. So, yes, it is a massive home field advantage for sure, especially because – when, when they did this back in 2020, there was no fans in the crowd, right? So it wasn't really a huge advantage playing at home, playing away. Um, but it is going to be one this year because fans will be in the stands, right? So the, the road team will have to go against not only the other team, but they you know, have to listen to their fans as well for three straight games to try to uh, advance. So, yeah, so right now Atlanta would play San Diego in the wild card series. Atlanta would host if, if the standing stayed the same. Um, but yeah, even in that in that series, if you're you know you're talking about who who you're throwing out there one two and maybe even three in that series right now for Atlanta, I mean Max Fried would get the ball game one for me for sure. He's had he's having that that kind of year. He's really taken a step forward even more as as really solidifying himself as an ace and not and and an ace that you can count on for at least six, if not seven innings a game. Which those kind of starters don't just come along at, you know that much anymore. So you get him for a guy, you know, a guy that can go the distance for you, and then probably number two right now, I'd hand the ball to Kyle Wright. He's pitching that well. I think he's one win behind the major league lead in wins. I think Justin Verlander has that right now, and Kyle Wright's right behind him. And so I would hand the ball to Kyle Wright for game two, and then game three, it depends. I mean, right if I was taking the rotation right now, I'd probably hand the ball to Spencer Strider, um, just because he's been that good. His fastball. That 100-mile-an-hour fastball just is, you know, nobody's really catching up to it, especially early in a game. And so that would probably be my top three right now if I had to go into that series with San Diego. And I think that the game one starter for the Padres is going to be Joe Musgrove. The game two starter is going to be you, Darvish. But the bats you got to worry about with the Padres, with Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, and now Juan Soto. Going up against their pitching staff, I mean, the Braves have not had that much success against you, Darvish. I know he's not having a – he's okay season, but the Braves just never seem to hit him well. Um, so they would probably know that and want to throw him out there against us for sure. And, uh, yeah, Joe Musgrove's just having – you know, he's phenomenal right now. Absolutely. Um, that, that them, him, them getting him has been huge for their rotation for sure. Um 
Man, I tell you, being a Padres fan would be fun, honestly, if I was, because the Padres are one of those teams that they take big swings. It doesn't always work out for them. They haven't won a world championship yet with it, but they at least take big swings. You know, they they go out there and they get Joe, they got Musgrove, they, you know, you Darvish, uh, Blake Snell, after he had such a good year, and, you know, AL Cy Young Award winner with Tampa Bay. And uh, now they're making another big swing and getting Soto. They're going to have him for the next, you know, for this this postseason run. If you know, if not the next two years as well for postseason runs. And so, you know, like I said, it hasn't turned into a championship yet. So I don't know how frustrating that can be. But if you know, if you're a Padres fan and you like like to see big swing, you know, teams taking big swings, that would this is the team to do it because they they don't they're not shy about it. They like to take their big big cuts if they need to. Just as long as it's not the Dodgers. I'm a diehard Giants fan. Grew up in California. We didn't really care that much about the Padres. I know they went to the World Series in 1998. Kevin Brown was just an amazing pitcher. And, of course, I was a huge fan of Tony Gwynn. Uh, he was one of the greatest hitters of all time, Mr. Padre. And, but other than that, the Padres haven't really – you know, 1984, they made a pretty good playoff run. Right. I'd like to see the Padres maybe make a playoff run. I mean, obviously the Giants and the Braves I'd root for, but, you know, as long as it's somebody that's not the Dodgers. I mean, I agree. I mean, we, that's one thing me and you can agree on for sure is that uh, we both don't like the Dodgers very much. And uh, so, yeah, it's – you know, and that, that was kind of my thing too. When when, he, when Soto got traded, when it was announced, I was like, well, at least, it did, at least the Dodgers didn't get him. So, yeah. You know, I was at least happy about that. Um, oh, and speaking while we're talking about the Padres, I just I was just checking my phone. The Padres have made another deal. They have traded for Reds second baseman Brandon Drury just now. Uh, so they've acquired him. So yeah, the Padres are they are all in. That's for sure. Um, they are getting everybody they can that can help. They think they can help them make this run. So it, you know, it would be it would be fun to see a, a team a different team like that. Yeah, like the Padres make a run. Um, obviously if they run into to the Braves, I, you know, I don't want them to run past us <laughs> obviously, but, um, you know, if, if the Braves did get knocked out earlier, they didn't, you know, quite get there. If the Padres advanced, they would be a fun team to watch in the world series. They definitely would have the star power. That's for sure. Justin, I have to ask you, I know you're a baseball fan, a Braves fan, but you're also a fan of the game of baseball. Will Aaron judge break Roger Maris's home run record of 61 home runs? The single season record is actually, I think, seven is it seventy or seventy two by oh, ones now. It is, but we're we're just talking boy. a new <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, this, we're talking the New York Yankees record. <laughs> that, that, their record, yes. Okay, so there's that's their a hallowed. Yeah, sixty one is. is a hallowed record by the Yankees. Roger Maris did it, and a lot of people gave him criticism because Babe Ruth did it in one hundred twenty games, and he hit sixty home runs. Roger Maris does it in uh 162 games right right yeah there there's yeah that and in fact i think for a while there was an asterisk next to his record um yes finally removed it um but yes yeah could, could he catch it sure i think he's actually on pace for 62 right now i think that's where or what at least it was the last time i had heard he was on pace for 62 home runs um if he stays healthy and he keeps hitting the way he's hitting which i don't i don't see him slowing down by any means um i definitely think that 62 or, or 60 or, you know, somewhere in the sixties is definitely a, um, a place where he could finish. Um, I, I don't think he'll get, unless he just gets on a big tear, I don't think he'll approach 70, but I think he could definitely get past 61 um, for sure. It may take him every bit of 162 to do it. Um, Cause I think he's still about 20 home runs away, but we still got two months left to play. So um, 
definitely is definitely doable. Here are some records I don't think will ever get broken in baseball. I don't think we'll ever see a player bat 400. And the reason why is because the pitching is just too good. And then I don't see anybody breaking Joe DiMaggio's hit streak of 56 games. No. Um, the 400 thing, no. I think um, Tony Gwynn was the last batter, I think, that got he got close. Um, yeah, the strike year. The strike year. And maybe he would have done it. I don't know, you know. There was a, there was a few records that in that strike year that unfortunately we'll never know if they could have been broken or not because Matt Williams because of the strike yeah Matt Williams stuff like that so yeah, um, but yeah Tony Wynn was the closest and and he was such a good hitter too um, and there was a few years where you thought maybe he could have approached it but you really think about it. I mean there you know I remember back in the late '90s early 2000s there were players that maybe went into June with a 400 batting average or maybe even one or two. Just, somehow got into July, maybe just past the all-star break before they fell under 400. You just don't see that anymore now. It's because the pitching's changed so much. It's so specialized now. Uh, pitchers don't go as many innings. Um, there's so there's so many analytics now that's being used. Um, the, the matchups, you know, uh, trying to match up righty, you know, righty versus righty, lefty versus lefty, stuff like that. Um, I just don't see it happening, hitting 400 anymore. Um, I think that's, that's probably going to be one that's, that's never going to be achieved again. And also, yes, the, the 56 game hitting streak. I mean, you know, I I haven't seen anybody get past 30 in in years. And so, uh, much less even get close to approaching 56. And so, yeah, I think that's another record that will never be broken. And 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 I'll give even a third one that I know for sure, without a doubt, will never be broken. And that's Cal Ripken Jr.'s consecutive game streak. Absolutely. Uh, too. That, that'll never get broken um, as, as well, because players just don't, they just don't do that anymore. Players just don't play every game of every season for, for that long. Yeah, yeah, but there was there was a player that here recently has uh, had a consecutive game streak, and he finally took a day off. And I think I think right now Matt Olson has the consecutive game streak right now the most, and I think it's only at two hundred. And so, yeah, it's just you're just not going to see it anymore. Um, nobody's going to play two thousand straight games, much less even a thousand at this point. So yes, Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak is one of those records that will will stand the test of time for sure. All right, speaking of pitchers, because this is a local podcast to Columbus, Georgia, mm-hmm. the big story here in Columbus is that Auburn pitching coach and former Atlanta Brave pitcher Tim Hudson has been named the head baseball coach of Lee Scott Academy out of Auburn. He's going to coach high school baseball. It's a big news story down here because right. Tim Hudson played high school ball at Glenwood High School in Phoenix City, Alabama. Right. He went on to play for uh, Chattahoochee Valley Community College, and they went on to pitch at Auburn. He was also a great hitter. But mm-hmm. he also had a great career with the Atlanta Braves, Oakland Athletics, and then won a World Series with the San Francisco Giants. Okay. You know, and, and Tim Hudson is a Columbus guy. Mm-hmm. I was talking to one of the members of that team, and he said a really cool moment was he got to meet Tim Hudson. Like, they went to a Braves game, and he got to meet Tim Hudson, and uh, Tim Hudson immediately recognized the team from Columbus. He's like, oh, you guys are from Columbus? I'm from Columbus. So it, it was it was a pretty awesome moment. Now, I got his stats. He played for the Atlanta Braves from 2005 to 2013. Mm-hmm. I want to say his best season was 2010, 17-9. He... Uh, he had an ERA of two eight three. That was the year Jason Hayward's rookie season. Mm-hmm. They played the Giants in the NLDS, and that was 
we already we already talked about that series where yeah. uh, the Braves uh, had a shot at at closing it out, but they couldn't get it done. Yep, there's been a lot of series where the Braves had a shot at doing something and oh, it didn't come. But uh, but you know, with a lot of that pain's been healed after last season. So, <laughs> oh, Justin, I brought up some too many painful memories. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I it's the good the part about going back and seeing all those painful memories doesn't matter anymore because the Braves have a championship. Oh yeah, I mean, exactly. Who yeah. remembers? Who remembers the name Mike Fultonevich? I mean. Yeah, it doesn't hurt as bad as it did, but yes, we, we it's still a little bit of a memory. But yes, it we I, I can remember that game and the game five against the Cardinals where he blew up for ten runs in the first inning and pretty much ended our season right there. Um, I was supposed to go to that game. I was on my way to that game, going to meet a buddy. He was running late from work, so I was waiting for him to meet me and listening to that game in the car, the first inning. And by the time he got to me, we were already down 10 to nothing. And I looked at him, I said, do you still want to go? Or do you just want to go somewhere and get something to eat? And so he looked at me, he said, no, nah, I don't want to go walk, painfully watch the brave season. <laughs> and, and so we just went somewhere and got something to eat, you know? And so, but it's, it was bad. You know, it was, uh, yeah, he had his moments. He had his good, he had his good moments with the Braves, especially in 2018. But that last one really kind of was the nail in the coffin. It's kind of like, uh, you know, Brooks Conrad's a name that, you know, Brace really remember two things. And one was the grand slam that he hit that for that big comeback win against the Reds. And then the other painful, the, the painful memory was all those errors he committed in the postseason. So <laughs> it was kind of, kind of one of those, Mike Fulton Neville is just kind of the same guy. Like you have some good memories of him because he was an all-star in 2018 and was, we thought maybe he was kind of turning into a, a good frontline pitcher. And then he just, it all just kind of derailed the next season. You know the one team I would really get nervous if the Braves had to face them in the postseason. It is the Cardinals because there's two series that the Braves played the Cardinals, and you remember it very well: the infield fly rule, Anderson Simmons in 2011. Yep. And then recently, couldn't close it out at Truett's Park in 2018 as the Cardinals right. got ten runs in that first inning. Right. Exactly. Yeah, the Cardinals are one of those teams, that, and, and that was a year too. It was so disappointing because. We most everybody picked us to win that series. I felt like we were the better team of the two, um, and we just didn't play well in that series. Now there was—I know Freddie was dealing with injuries, and there was some other thing. I think Acuna may have been dealing with an injury at the end of that season too. Um, I remember there was some injury issues with some players on the team going into the end of that season, but the but the rest of the bats went cold. You know, Josh Donaldson had a great year in 2019, and his bat went cold in the NLDS. Um, really, Duvall and I think Swanson were the only two guys actually getting hits in that series. And so, um, but that was another series. We had a chance to close that series out in game four. We had a lead late, um, could have closed it out there in St. Louis. And we brought in, made some questionable pitching changes, brought in Shane Green, I think, in the eighth inning. He gave up a run or two and gave the Cardinals a lead. Um, So we had, you know, that was another series we had a chance. uh, Game one of that NLDS, we were leading that game. Um, We had been playing, I think, uh, Dallas Keuchel started that game. He only went five innings, but he started that game, and then we had to kind of mix and match our bullpen. And we we had Chris Martin warming up to pitch the eighth inning, and he and he got injured in the bullpen warming up, and we had to bring Luke Jackson in to pitch instead. And Luke gave up three runs, I think, in that eighth inning and cost us the lead. 
So yeah, there was opportunities in that series for us to win and put the Cardinals away. We just they just kept hanging around though. I mean, oh, nobody yeah. will ever forget the the infamous infield outfield fly rule. Oh boy, that was an outfield hit. Everybody knows that was an outfield hit. Oh, did you go? That was at Turner Field. At, yeah. Did you go to that game? I did not go to that game. <laughs> Thank oh, goodness man. I didn't go. I was I was yeah. watching on TV though, and I was I was pretty livid when the call came down because I was so mad. And, you know, the fans were throwing stuff on the field. Of course. And, and I, you know, as much as I, I, I get, you know, it, it does look bad when fans throw stuff on the field, but that was a really bad call kind of thing. And that was just one of those – it was one of those moments where I was like, you know what, I don't blame them for, for throwing stuff on the field. That was a missed call. It was before instant replay. I don't know if that call could have even been reviewed, to be honest with you, if they had replay. But it was um, really before replay got going – and it just it changed the entire complexity of that game. Um, the Braves had gotten down; they were trying to claw themselves back into it, and it would have set them up with, I think, bases loaded with nobody one out, one out or something. Yeah, one and out. It, it would have been bases and, loaded with no one, one out. out, and then it turned into two outs and just two men on or something. And it just it it did it changed the perplexity of that game. And I don't know if we'd have came back and won, but it was just it was just a really bad blown call. And remember, David Ross, the backup catcher, hit a home run in that game. He did. Yeah, the current manager for the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, I remember, he, he I remember when Dave Ross played oh. before us. He was a good guy. He was a good. He was a good backup catcher. I enjoyed when he was there. I hated when he left. So, oh, Justin, as always, um, you're always a great guest, especially your knowledge about the Atlanta Braves. We could have gone on a, a whole hour and talked Georgia football, the Atlanta Falcons training camp, but, you know, it's for some good Braves knowledge. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, 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 this trade deadline day is always a fun day to see what happens, uh, not just with the Braves, but just, just seeing where players are going, what teams are doing what. And, uh, like, the Padres have made such a big splash so far in the in the trade deadline this year with the acquisitions they've made. We'll see if they pan out. Um, the teams that always make the splashy deals don't always win. I mean, remember last year when the Dodgers got Scherzer and Turner from uh, Washington, people were ready to just hand them a World Series trophy after that move. And um, we see, you know, we all see how that played out. Um, Scherzer ended up, you know, running out of steam in the NLCS. And, and Turner played fine, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't a super big game changer in that series. And so it was, um, you know, just, you know, the teams that make the big splashy moves don't always win uh, the championship at the end of the year, but we'll see what, what happens. Maybe that maybe the Padres can make this one work. All right. Thank you so much. Once again, Justin, for being a guest on the show and uh, definitely we'll keep in touch with you soon and uh, get you back on the show, talking some more uh, Braves and, and everything uh, Atlanta sports related. Absolutely. Anytime you want to have me, I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Sports Bee with Richard Holdridge. I hope everybody has a blessed rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. 
All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.